Bienvenidos al podcast de Latino Founder Hour. Each week we invite you to spend an in-depth hour with us as we speak with a Latino startup founder from somewhere around the world. Aquí conocerás esas historias de éxito y fracasos, retos personales y lecciones aprendidas. And we have fun. We're live every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific time. Tune in at startupradionetwork.com. O en versión podcast después del show. Escucha. Listen. Aprende. Learn. Y emprende. Launch. Buenos días a todos. Feliz viernes 27. Ya es 27, ¿verdad? De julio del 2018. de julio. Qué rápido se me pasó este mes. No, no este año. Este y esta mes, década. este año. <ríe> Bienvenidos a Latino Founder Hour de Startup Radio Network. Sintonícenos todos los viernes a las 11 Pacífico. A las 11 eh, Pacífico. Le damos la bienvenida a Claudia Cárdenas, mi co-host, Edgar Navas. Buenos Aquí estamos. Buenos días a todos. Y Claudia, hoy tenemos un invitado. Para mí es muy especial. Sí, decir, para qué mí barba, es muy ¿no? Y para mí también, es, ya de todo lo que leí, qué Es barba, una gran ¿no? persona, obviamente una eminencia, este, y es, yo, yo lo considero un, un mentor. Eh, es el eh, Joaquín Lippincott, el fundador de Metal Toad. Joaquín, how you doing? I'm good, I'm good, estoy bien. Todo good bien. Good morning, Joaquín. For, for, for the people that don't know Joaquín, it's a, 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 aside from being a great person, he speaks Spanish, but he's, he's being shy today. So we're going to have to do it in English. He said, well, he, he did say, well, we could do it in Portuguese, but that's going to be difficult for, for I, I audience. Think it's mejor. I think it's better if we do it in, uh, if we do it in English. Awesome, Joaquin. Well, thank you, Joaquin, for taking the time for, I know you're extremely busy schedule. Uh, thanks for, you know, joining us. And I, I you know, like, you know, the, like I was telling Claudia, I already know you. I know you, a little bit about your story, but um, mm -hmm. we want the audience to know who's Joaquin Lippincott, you know, the founder of Metal Toad Media. And, you know, we, we, we can start, you know, way back, you know, to, you know, your early beginnings. I know. Like, I was yeah. reading a, a lot of great things about you, Joaquin, and, and how a great leader you are. And uh, I wanted just to, to start where where you started, where Joaquin grew up, um, mm -hmm. uh, who um, who was like your um, mentor, uh, your, your, your defining moment. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, so so if we're going all the way back to the beginning, I, I was born in Los Angeles, um, which uh, I've, I've made it all the way back to Los Angeles, but um, I was born in L.A., uh, and I grew up in, in San Diego, um, you know, and I, and I spent most of my uh, younger days kind of back and forth between the two. So um, when I went to college, I, I, I went to UCLA. Um, because I wanted to go to the big city and I, I had to decide between, uh, my, my practical, uh, fallback and, you know, uh, you know, sort of the out there major. And I went with my fallback, which was art because I was deciding between art and acting. And I figured, uh, acting was too subjective. So I went with my practical, uh, art major. Um, which was good because, um, the, the portfolio helped me to, um, get into the school. Um, and then, uh, it was 96 when I started and, um, I quickly got exposed to, to the internet, which was very early days. My first website that I built at a little, uh, hole in the wall, uh, place, uh, at, at in Westwood was for the Kyoto protocol. 
yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Which, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it, 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 it's funny. It was this tiny little place, and it was just like a little ad-on website. And, um, so that was my first professional gig. Um, uh, and, then, and then I uh, fell in love with the web, and I ended up bouncing around uh, uh, on a, a bunch of kind of unremarkable businesses and, and bad bosses. So the, the place I mentioned that, that had the website for the Kyoto Protocol, the owner was – uh, later jailed for uh, embezzlement. Uh, you know, the next place I worked after that, uh, that I started there in 99. It was called LA City Web. Um, you know, the owner didn't believe in, in paying taxes, not just uh, for employees, but for the company. And then, you know, when the dot-com bubble burst, the company just collapsed. So then um, I had gotten married. I, um, I, I, in college, I got into a Brazilian martial art called capoeira, and um, I went down. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, who I made uh, in school, invited me down to stay with him in Brazil for a summer. And at first, I I didn't want to go. I was I, I wasn't sure if it would be the right move. But he said, you know, my my parents have a a place, you know, in, in Rio. Have, there's a little apartment. Nobody stays there. And I said, oh, that's cool. And he said, and you know. And it's on the beach in Rio. And so I said, <laughs> okay, I will go. <laughs> so uh, I ended up staying for, for three months, and I met my wife-to-be uh, down there. Uh, beautiful woman. We are still married. We're, we're going on 18 years uh, this year. We have two um, incredible children. I have a 16-year-old daughter, 11-year-old son, and they are fantastic. Um, and so then... Uh, when that company fell apart, we, the whole family, um, my son wasn't born at the time. We moved back to San Diego, uh, to be close to, to my parents. Uh, and then I worked at a company and, and, uh, it was a small, uh, video production company. And at that company, I learned what furlough is. Uh, I had no idea what that was before, but it, it, it basically is here's some vacation. And by the way, we're not paying you while you're on vacation. So, um, so that wasn't good. So I found another place, um, and I, I worked at a company uh, doing like UX. And um, but at, by this point, uh, I had moved from from doing design pretty firmly into programming, and and part of that was because I was an art major um, at UCLA. They they came to me and they said, you know, you have to do this thing called math, uh, but since you're an art major. <laughs> We'll, we'll let you do anything with numbers in it, and we will pretend it's math. And so I said, how about programming? They said, that's fine. So that, that was the early days exposure, and I went through my whole spectrum, ended up, I was at this uh, uh, company in San Diego uh, doing UX development for uh, a hotel reservation system. Uh, and then, you know, at this point in my, my career, the bar for starting a business had been set so low that I thought, you know, I can do this. This, this doesn't look very hard. Um, and so so I quit my day job to start an e-commerce business. How um, old were you? I was, how old was I? So my daughter was one year old. That's how, that's how I tell the time. Uh, yeah. Let's see, and she's 16, so that was 15 years ago. I'm 40 today, so 24. Five? Is that right? Wow, yeah, 25. 25. Yeah. So you're just like, I'm opening my own business. Yeah. So 
Um, you know, and I think my daughter being born had, had something to do with it. I think for some people when their kids are born, um, they really crave stability. You know, for me, I was, I was just kind of thinking about, uh, my legacy because I had bounced around from unremarkable business to unremarkable business. And I thought, you know, I, I'm still pretty much making the same amount of money that I was making when I, uh, when I graduated. Um, and I didn't see that changing. Um, so, you know, I went out on my own, uh, started an e-commerce business, but the company that I was working for asked me to stick around and do consulting. And so the consulting, uh, after about six months was paying a lot more than the e-commerce business. So I shut down the e-commerce business and, um, went full time on consulting. And, and that was pretty much the start of metal toad. So, um, fast forward 15 years, um, we ended up hiring somebody from the Bay area who moved up to Portland. And then I followed him up to Portland to grow the office. And we're about 50 people, just under 50 people in the Portland office. Wow. Uh, I'm, I'm down in Los Angeles, uh, spearheading the opening of the Los Angeles office. And we're doing some really fascinating work, uh, um, for Daimler trucks. We're working on, uh, fleet management software for their new smart trucks. Um, and for Siemens Wind Power out in Denmark, we're, we're helping them with some prototype uh, Internet of Things stuff to reduce the, the cost of offshore wind energy. Uh, and then we do some stuff down in Los Angeles, a, a few uh, websites for you know SonyPictures.com and the Golden Globes and do all the web work for DC Comics. So um, have some fun there as well. That's yes. incredible. That's awesome. And, and, and Joaquin, you know, I remember you telling me a while ago that you had this uncle in Brazil that you didn't know oh, about. Yeah. I didn't want to interrupt <laughs> it, and, and but I remember that. Like, so you went to Brazil, you know, with a friend, yeah. and then somehow you found out your dad told you, "Oh yeah, you got an uncle in Brazil," and you're like, well, I, yeah, "I have that, an uncle." Yeah. <laughs> First of all, I. <laughs> Well, that that it's it just goes to show how much we communicate that the men in my family, um, yeah. where I would be, you know, nineteen when I learn I have an uncle. But uh, to be fair, it was his half brother. So his his dad uh, left, you know, when he was three, went off to France to join the foreign service. Ended up being uh, uh, a consul general out in Bordeaux, and as one does, I guess, when you're out in France, you meet a, a woman from Brazil, and then you get married and start a new family. So he, um, he, you know, had a, a whole new family. And so I have an aunt and an uncle who are both Brazilian, and um, they are awesome. I, I think my uncle is great. He's a lot of fun. And um, I'm really happy I just happened to go to Brazil. I'm I tell my dad, I joke with him sometimes. I'm like, you know, I'm just waiting for the next country I go to visit, you know, <laughs> letting you know I'm going there to find out I've got another uncle or, or a relative. Yeah. 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 That's fantastic. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you went there and then you contact them and you're like, oh, I'm your nephew. And yeah, what no, they that say? was it. <laughs> oh, they, they were like, great. I have a nephew. Awesome. <laughs> That's uh, very cool. Yeah, no, my, my, my uncle, uh, lives uh back and forth between uh sao paulo and rio um and and the funniest thing uh, just sort of sidebar he ended up um being uh i don't think they ever got married but being um you know long time 
uh, relationship with a really famous um, actress in Brazil. Sort of the, if we were to say the the equivalent of the U.S., it would be like if you just came here and your your uncle happened to be married to Meryl Streep. No, way. Um, it wasn't Shusha, yeah. was she? No, 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 no. And I, I don't, I don't. Um, <laughs> I want to be a little bit private. I, oh I yeah, 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 yeah. They yeah. need to go down that road, but it was important <laughs> because my wow. my wife and I went to visit, and um, and we we showed up, and and it was just you know like his his girlfriend, his longtime girlfriend, and and she was like, uh, <laughs> "Do you know who that is?" Um, so it was it was pretty funny. She was super nice, um, by the way. That's um, awesome. Yeah. Very, and then to, how do you know how to speak Spanish very well? So, uh, yo estudiaba español en la escuela secundaria. Mm -hmm. También yo era un estudiante de intercambio a Chile. Uh, okay. Durante la escuela secundaria. Y también uh, adoro, uh, <laughs> adoro, uh, me gusta, me encanta hablar, hablar las lenguas. Oh, perfecto. Entonces, yo hablo español, uh, un, un poquitico de, de español hoy en día, uh, uh, hablo portugués, estoy estudiando ahora uh, italiano. Mm, oh, wow. Italiano, me encanta esa lengua. Muy linda. Mm -hmm. Then, wow, then, then we can make our communications in Italian just to practice working. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. And then uh, your parents, where they live? Like they live uh, in California? Yeah, so my uh, on both sides of my family, um, I'm a fourth generation Californian. My daughter was fifth generation. Um, my great, great, great grandfather um, actually was really, really early days. We, he was involved in the Mexican-American War. Um, and, um, you know, so uh, California, we, we go back a long way. Um, my parents both went to uh, UC Santa Barbara. On my mom's side, my grandparents went to uh, USC a long, long time ago. Um, so, you know, lots, lots of roots uh, in, in California and, and the one on the West Coast. Yes. So I see that you are like board member now that you mentioned board. Uh, mm -hmm. You are board member of the L.A. Uh, chamber of Commerce. So I work for yes. a Hispanic chamber here in, in Portland. So mm -hmm. and then you were very involved with uh, several chamber of commerce, right? Yes. Why is yeah, so why I, is that? So well, so um, man, uh, a, a while ago, I was reading a book. Uh, I was up in Portland and I was reading a book on the history of Portland. And this is early history, so back into the 1800s and sort of the, the original people who founded Portland. And the, the subtitle of that book was The Portland Establishment. And so I thought, huh, is there an establishment today? And so I went looking for it and I found, um, you know, in, in large part, the, the Chamber of Commerce was, was representative of, you know, the people who build, who owned land, who really were doing a lot of the the, um, the foundational economic engine was, was really the uh, the Portland Business Alliance. Uh, and so I, I reached out and I, I joined their board um, and uh, it was a lot of fun. What I found was everybody who was on the chamber, one, 
business people get a bad rap. And, you know, this is the founder hour. So hopefully we all know that businesses play an important role in, in communities. But yep. even the the established business, the, the participants in the Portland um, Business Alliance, they really were civically engaged, uh, well-connected, and people who were really thinking about the community in, in the long term. Um, and so I really enjoyed that that interaction. And so... Uh, I served on that board for three years, uh, ended up convincing the president of the Portland Business Alliance to serve on, on my board at Metal Toad. And she's still, though she is uh, just rolling off the board uh, as as president at the PBA, she is still continuing to serve on, on my board. And then um, when I moved down to Los Angeles, I immediately reached out to the Los Angeles Area Chamber of Commerce and I said, hey, I'd, I'd like to join. Um, and they said, great, you, you know, welcome aboard. And so I've been a member there since January. And um, one thing I will say about the L.A. Chamber of Commerce is they are also going through a transition with their leadership. Um, their their longtime president, I believe, for 15 or 20 years, Gary Tobin, a fantastic man, very generous, um, really just a, a great individual, is ending up retiring um, and they have also on on the board um, gone and and done I think a really good job of recruiting. And they have hired a Latina woman Maria Salinas uh, to be the next president. And so uh, I think that will be really exciting, uh, in particular for the dynamic that we'll introduce with our um, Latino Chamber of Commerce. And mm-hmm. and I think that we will probably have closer and closer ties. Um, so I think it opens a lot of doors to, to have that leader. And, and Gary was fantastic, but I'm really looking forward to seeing what uh, Maria does uh, yeah. as the president. Awesome. Like, so you definitely advocate for diversity and technology. Oh, and I can attest to that. I mean, I, I, yeah. I've known Joaquin for, you know, quite a few years now. And just just, just so, you know, the listeners know, you know, and, and also, you know, he was, uh, Joaquin is the person responsible that Clicka, our startup, you know, came to life. That's awesome. Because we met, remember how we met Joaquin? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, we met through, uh, you, you know, and Joaquin. Yeah, the other Joaquin. So we <laughs> have Joaquin two Joaquins on our board. Uh-huh. So we mm-hmm. we sat down for a lunch meeting. All we wanted was, um, you know, just the guidance from someone that you know had started a business. It was um, starting to grow rapidly, mm-hmm. and so we sat down for for lunch. At Urban Farmer, remember? And, mm-hmm. and we just, yeah. hey, Joaquin, the, the, you know, we we got this idea. I was still working in. Um, uh, uh, at a foreign company that you know that yeah. gave, you know where, where I was and like look this is this is what we have we've done some numbers boom 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 and Joaquin Lippincott mm-hmm. and he says great <laughs> let's do it and it's like let's uh-huh. let's do what <laughs> let's do what and it's just like we just wanted guidance quit your ideas. Job. Like, that's what we're doing. yeah yeah yeah. Quit, yeah quit your job and uh, well and, and here I am yes so thanks to Joaquin that's awesome Joaquin yeah. it's, it's incredible he he's a, and like I said besides being a mentor you know he's you know when I when I hit a roadblock Joaquin is usually the person that I. Um, so, that I consult is like, look, I, I'm right here. I'm, I'm have a mental blockade or something, and you know, which is not all, is not often. But I've, I think I've called you three or four times since we since we started this journey. Uh, but yeah, you know, going back to the diversity, 
Joaquin, you know, so we met, we, you know, we got clicker up and going. And so like, yeah, let's do it. I'm like, oh, shit. Okay, well, was- hold on, hold on. We, we, we can't stop there because I, I also have to say the reason I said that is because I believed in Edgar. And by quitting his day job, Edgar was saying, I believe in myself. Yes. Yeah. And, exactly. and that's a really tough place to be, right? It's really scary because success is not guaranteed. Yeah. And, and I think it's been a much longer road than you anticipated. Yes. Um, I think yeah. any entrepreneur who, who really knows how much time it's going to take uh, we would never quit our day jobs. We would no, you, you, you triple guess and you say no. No, no, no yeah. But, you know, that that's exactly, I remember, you know, we were a year, uh, you know, Joaquin is, you know, uh, was our original angel investor. Yeah. Uh, Metal Toe was the, the company that did our first iteration or for, you know, mm-hmm. first applications and everything. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yes. MVP. So I said, ah, oh, you know, we, we, we got our first investor in a, in a lunch oh this is easy yes so getting yeah. money yes. for and a good it, idea and then we nothing crickets for a year and I remember talking to Joaquin I like mm-hmm. I call him and said shit you know, like I, like what's happening I mean we thought we had a great plan you know we yeah. convinced you how you know obviously I'm not communicating this the same thing that I could like what is it with you and that that's what Joaquin told me like when you're low and somebody tells you, I invested in you, it's like, because I ask him, what specifically about the plan? There was, wasn't even on a napkin. It was just an idea. It's like, look, we got, mm-hmm. this is what we do. We just want to make it better, blah, blah, blah. Uh, fast forward, it's like, what do you see? And Joaquin's like, well, I invested in you. And I remember those words, like, yes. I bought stock in you. So uh-huh. that was like fuel that at the time I did not have. Yes. My fuel was like, I'm running low on gas. I'm on fumes. I was like, I was mm-hmm. just getting desperate, and 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 guess what? There was a switch, and immediately, almost within a month, we had another investor. And that's the importance of like having mentorship and people that believes yeah. in you and that make you accountable of what are you doing, because they believe in you, and they and then they inject you like that, yeah. uh, wanting to like keep going. So so that was nitro booster. So like, yes. all right, let, let's let's keep going. This is is you know the one of the best things somebody has ever said to me. By the way, thank well, you, Morgan. Yeah, yeah uh, no, then nada. You know that the other thing I will say is every every founder that I have ever spoken to has had those moments. I call those crying in the bathtub moments because I like to take a bath, and uh, you know you're just you're just sitting there saying, "What did I do? What mm-hmm. am I doing? This is crazy." Yep. And I think it's important to the the not having a day job forces you into those moments and forces you to to get creative because your back is up against the wall if you're not going to do it no one's coming to help you so edgar that i mean i I will just say you know thank you for the compliment but right back at you 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 are the one doing it and making it happen and i am incredibly proud of of what you have accomplished thank you thank you but and and yeah claudia so going back to the uh, attesting in an uh joaquin being an uh one of the precursors here in Portland of the, you know, communicating, try to attract more diversity into the tech workplace. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joaquin has been not only on the board, but actively uh, recruiting, uh, being an activist in the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you were, I think you were the person responsible, one of the people responsible to get that, um, uh, the technology pledge, wasn't it, mm-hmm. Joaquin? With the city well, of Portland we, to, to bring we more diversity. Yeah. yeah, we were we were one of the the, the pledges. 
Um, we have been continually investing. And I think the, the key for me is I believe in creating entry-level jobs, right? And as long as there is inequity in terms of the way that opportunity has already been dealt out, that is the key to transforming what, uh, what an industry looks like. You cannot say we're going to get to diversity and then not create an entry path for people to get in. And so um, I think that, you know, my focus really is on entry level opportunities. Uh, I started a, a nonprofit uh, that focuses on that. I am now uh, with the L.A. Chamber. I'm working with uh, their nonprofit. They have a it, it's a huge chamber. It's uh, I think. Uh, almost a hundred full-time staff members. Oh wow! Um, yeah. They have a nonprofit underneath that is focused on entry-level job creation in tech. They are creating and getting a hundred. They're moving up to two hundred uh, per year in terms of the, the summer cycle. And I'm helping um, to get that continually integrated back into businesses because the thing that we need to know is that the businesses have to create those entry-level jobs. We can have find all the people that are interested. We can have all the education in the world. But if once somebody has that certificate or that degree or that, that interest, steps out and says, I'm ready to do this work, if there's no jobs that, that you can get into with no experience, it's a catch-22. And and so that focus has meant, you know, personally at Metal Toad, the, the people who I have seen come through the door has been an incredibly diverse uh, group of people. You have uh, women, you have underrepresented uh, groups in terms of people of color. And it's not it's not a um, it's not anything that is necessarily even focused on those groups, but simply saying there need to be more entry level opportunities and then the diversity fills in. Now, I also do want to say that I think that there is an, a, a really um, important view that companies should be having around diversity. Because I, I have heard um, you know, that, that people have done studies and they have said diverse groups make better decision making. I believe that to be true. I have certainly seen that at my company as we have um, added more women. I mean, uh, Metal to currently, I believe, is around 34% female, um, which wow. is actually really wow. good for a tech company and, and represents. Uh, I was going to say, yeah, for, for mm -hmm. a tech company, it's a high number. I mean, you, 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 well, don't, get, you don't get those numbers in, in any other companies that we've, you know, we've exactly. talked about. Yeah. Yes. And it, and, it, and it represents a significant change mm -hmm. and a really positive change. I will be happy when we are representative of the surrounding community. Um, in both in terms of uh, ethnicity and then also uh, in terms of gender. Um, but I think that, importantly, companies uh, should be thinking about diversity in a, in a very clinical, profit-oriented way. And that is to say, if you look at the place where tech is welcoming, right, the demographic, it is basically uh, men who are white or Asian between the ages of, let's say, 25 to 45, maybe. And it, and it, it is continuing to age as the, the group that is already in continues to age. And then also college educated. So you take those traits and you overlay it on top of the population of the United States. 
just the United States, mm-hmm. right? No, I'm ignoring globally, but in the U.S., that is 24% of the working population. So that means that we are overpaying. You look at this from a supply and demand perspective. We are overpaying for uh, getting less uh, – a pool that is less talented because I believe that that genius is – is equally distributed amongst the population, mm-hmm. you know, regardless of gender, regardless of ethnicity. And so unless you are representative of your population, you are overpaying for a less talented work pool. That's not to say the people involved are not talented, but that is to say there are tremendously talented people from that underrepresented group that are not actually participating. Yes, yeah. now, exactly. And, 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 and how do we make them participate, Joaquin? Entry-level jobs, entry-level okay. jobs, and making sure that this is not a company-level solution, but this is an industry-level solution. Wow. And I think that it's it's very difficult for most tech companies to get down out of the ivory tower because to them, everything is good. They, you you, you want to hire somebody new. You, your work is so important. You only have time to work with the best. I hate that phrase, by the way. I, I find it... Um, <laughs> it makes me a little sick to my stomach because it's code for we're not going to hire anybody. We're not going to create any, any any entry-level opportunities. We're going to hire people that have 10 or more years of experience and mm-hmm. isolate them, sequester them so they, they can't do any mentorship with people who may be newer in their career. And so how do they do that? They find people who already have jobs and they pay them 10% more. And so you have this escalating war of salaries, which – you know, it's good for the people that already have the opportunity. You know, uh, programmers make a, a huge amount of money. And unfortunately, the impact of that is it actually distorts the local economy and gentrifies the the area mm-hmm. that they're surrounding because they're bringing in these people or poaching these people or continuing to accelerate their salaries without creating an on-ramp. And many times... The tech companies are really well-intentioned around compensation and, and, and paying people. And, you know, I've talked to founders who've said, look, uh, we, don't, we don't pay any less than $25 an hour um, because we feel anything less than that is exploitational. And I say, okay, well, how many internships do you have? And this might be a company of 300 people. And they'll say, oh, we have one over the summer. And that is just not good enough. Yes, and so exactly. if 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 we can get more opportunities, even paying minimum wage, and I know I sound like a, a, a terrible capitalist pig, but if, you know, if we can get past that, but you create opportunities, yeah, yes. learning, learning, learning and growth opportunity. Exactly, it's not an income gap; it is an opportunity gap. Exactly, and I think that people who are in the ivory tower don't even realize that it may be a choice between somebody working for minimum wage at Starbucks and working for minimum wage that after three years, they're in a career where they're going to be pulling down $80,000 a year plus great benefits. Mm -hmm. But they can't get past that. And then everything dies financially because frankly, with zero years of experience, nobody can produce value at $25 an hour. They Mm -hmm. do terrible work. I did horrible programs (laughs) when I first started, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it has become, I mean, when I started, 
all you needed to get into the web industry was to be able to spell HTML and have a heartbeat. Like that was it. They were like, hey, kid, you in the corner, like you, you do the website. I was like, okay. Um, and, and now it has progressed over, you know, a period of 20 years to the point where programmers these days are very similar to medical specialists, Mm -hmm. you know, radiologists or, you know, uh, heart surgeons or brain surgeons. And so the dynamic, you can imagine what the medical industry would look like if you said, we have no internship program, there's no medical interns, that just goes away. And in fact, the way that you get started as a doctor is you go out on the street and you perform surgeries for three years <laughs> before you will get hired yeah. by a hospital. Can you imagine? And, and there are terrible things that young programmers are doing. They're making horrible mistakes in terms of security uh, and you know reinventing wheels that don't need to be reinvented. But I salute the people who are actually doing it and making it happen because we need to get better at creating those entry-level opportunities and understanding that what we are doing right now is creating a completely unsustainable talent pipeline. And, and I think the, the worst part about it is you have this teeny tiny bottleneck. It's now you need three years of experience for a junior-level position. Mm-hmm. That junior-level position pays $80,000 a year plus benefits. Exactly. But you need three years to get in the door. And, and all this money and attention is going into training kids, right, to do tech, but there's no entry-level jobs. Exactly. And so everybody's looking at the 10-year veteran saying, like, wow, they have it great. We want people to have a six-figure salary where they're making decisions on where they work based on bike parking or the better coffee or, you know, it's like <laughs> – Or, or that's, be, beer in the spigots and, and every yeah, bathroom. You know, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, and but, that, that yeah. looks great. Yes. Go ahead. And, go ahead. Oh, no, it's okay. Um, you advocate for diversity, and then you're like, a, you just touch like a really good point right here. So, the underrepresented population that, uh, what in my side, what I see every day because I work with Latinos mostly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yesterday is a perfect example. So I was in uh, Hillsborough High School, and yeah. these kids are just so smart. They're talking. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're talking technology. They're talking about mm-hmm. creating mm-hmm. robots. Robotics. Yeah, yeah, robotics. Advanced robotics. Incredible. But mm-hmm. they don't have the mentors. They don't have yeah. the the people that can guide them. Resources. Resources. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's so sad to see that that uh, they're just there, but it's just a talent that is getting wasted. Okay. Can, can I? Is that a question in terms of a, like? Because I believe there's something that we can do there. Oh yeah, definitely. It's something that we okay. can do. Yeah. So the this is a little controversial, and um, and what I mean by this is when we when we focus on diversity as a as a let's make the table bigger, we're not saying no to anybody. We're not saying no to men participating as partners in in creating a diverse environment because frankly they're there right we're not saying no to white people we're saying we want the table to be bigger we want to create more entry-level jobs that that will impact diversity in the long term but i think that importantly sometimes in the language of diversity and the the focus on diversity as a 
as really an absence of people of color or an absence of women, um, it can alienate the very champions that we need to be cultivating and, and bringing on board within the existing industry. So, for example, I have been at uh, mentorship groups where, um, you know, we've been talking about mentorship for uh, women in tech and PDX Women in Tech, fantastic organization. I'm a huge shout out to them. Megan is doing awesome work. Um, check it out if you if you don't know. Um, but in, in terms of some groups really do not invite men in and or they do they say, really, when we're looking for mentors, we're prioritizing, we, we really want female mentors. And I think that's wrong. Mm. Uh, I think that women are, are welcome to step up as mentors. But frankly, some people don't want to be mentors. And whether somebody's mm-hmm. a woman or not has nothing to do with their disposition towards mentorship. And, and frankly, um, women don't owe anything more to the next generation of programmers than men do, Right. It is a it is a it is a community that needs to solve this problem. So anytime we are in any way discouraging people because they might be a white man or because they might not be Latino or because yes. whatever, like mm-hmm. we need to stop that and, and really say we want mentors. We, we want the people doing mentorship that care about mentorship. Exactly. Right? And and if we do that and programs, mentorship programs are some of the things that are incredibly important for making it feel safe for a white man, for example, to to mentor, uh, you know, or an older man to mentor a young woman. But because I, if mm-hmm. if it, there is not an official program, that that older man is going to feel really uncomfortable walking up to this younger woman. That younger woman might feel really uncomfortable having an older man walk up to them. Yes. Um, but by creating a framework where we are connecting people and we're connecting people across lines of diversity, we make it okay. And we make it something where um, everybody feels welcome and can participate. Yes. Oh, go ahead. Go no, ahead, no, Edgar. No, but uh, Joaquin, don't, don't you think, you know, sometimes it's, it, especially for a young mind, it's easier to identify himself or herself. Uh, I, and I know I, I I totally get what you're trying to to say, and I, I do I I agree with that. But don't you uh-huh. think you know as a younger person? I mean, we're, we're you and I, you know, we're older, you know, we're more mature, we have a lot of experience. But when you're younger, don't you think it's more per, uh, um, impressionable if you try to if you see someone that looks like you, talks like yes. you, yes, feels totally. like you? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I think if I go back when I was uh, 15, 16, I might have navigated towards what was more comfortable than now. I mean, now I don't care. All I, I what I look for is wisdom, knowledge, experience. Mm-hmm. I don't look for a caller. But maybe at 15, I wasn't looking for that. Mm-hmm. Yes. So there's there's a couple things there. Yes, that's great. I'm not trying to discourage, uh, you know, uh, Latino people from mentoring Latino people, but where we don't have a, a surplus of Latino programmers. We have a surplus of of Correct. kids who are interested in getting into tech. And I I do want to give you like a small story. When I was um, uh, doing capoeira, when I was in college, I was um, I was teaching after school in all sorts of uh, communities around Los Angeles. And so I taught in West L.A. I taught in Beverly Hills. I was teaching 
elementary school kids and, and junior high kids. Um, and I was also teaching in Compton. And before I went down there, because it was an after-school program, it was, you know, about creating uh, an environment for kids and, you know, like a, a good role modeling, good adult role modeling around a creative activity. Um, I was kind of conflicted because I was like, oh, man, you know, should I be doing this as a, as a you know, I'm, I, you can't see me. I'm blonde, blue eyes. Should I be doing this and teaching kids in Compton? Am I am I on my high horse, or you know, is this sort of like a uh, a thing that maybe I should hold off on? And and what I found by going down there is in that community, the kids were just so open and they were just interested in a strong uh, role model, somebody mm-hmm. who was who was you know doing exactly. this activity, yes. and they had a great time, and and it was it was awesome. And I think that if you look at mentorship, I think there is a really strong reason why you want to encourage mentors that look like the people that they are mentoring. But I also think as long as the the uh, the industry looks the way that it does, there's probably an equally uh, powerful counterpoint to saying, wouldn't you want an advocate who is exactly like the people who who are in that industry who can then advocate for you and and take those barriers and absolutely break them down for you i mean there there is something to be said about racism and sexism existing in the tech workplace but when you as a person of color or as a woman as anybody who is underrepresented has somebody advocating for you and somebody who is in your corner who who is a an old white man whatever that demographic is that's really powerful because it it changes the way that i that i think you will you will interact with all of those people and then that group hopefully doesn't become monolithic it's not like the old white guys it's like you know what no one has a lock on can i swear yeah 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 we are. okay no one has no one group has a lock on being an asshole or being <laughs> yes. good people. That's I mean, quality. you take yeah. you take every gender, every ethnicity. Oh, absolutely. Every group has assholes, and yes. so let's focus on just connecting good people with good people. And as soon as we have a surplus of people, where you have enough mentors. Then, yeah, you can be selective. Mm-hmm. You can say we want Latino mentors who are going to be able to probably get through, you know, maybe some language barriers or understand uh, more personally the challenges that those people are going to go through. But what I will say also is for the person who is the mentor, it is equally as powerful to really blow through some of the misconceptions they might have. It may expand their minds and they may, you know, have a different appreciation for the challenges that other people are going through. So it's it's when you're crossing those lines, I think there's all sorts of opportunity. And you know what I will say as well? A a mentorship program with, you know, people mentoring people who don't look like them, that's also diversity. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And and then I I will I want to add something right here. It's just like I I feel that the gap is is even bigger because uh like I was talking with this with these uh, young adults yesterday and, and they mm-hmm. told me they're going to these events, technology events uh like for robotics. And mm-hmm. and they're just like 
Latino representation is not there. Like there mm -hmm. is like there is only one small team of them in the state representing mm -hmm. the estate. It's like yeah. one small team. Why is that? It's just like I can just imagine like, okay, so are we doing the, the right uh, thing, their good job, like the, the connection, how can we, like, w there is a huge gap right now. And then, uh, mm -hmm. I mean, in, in all the schools, it's, it's not just uh, where I went yesterday, it was just the whole state is yeah. not being like, um, no, we're represented. doing it wrong. Yes, exactly. No. I, I mean, so, so we're doing it wrong. But, but what I will say about that is, um, I think that, you know, I don't want to pretend like like racism doesn't exist, right? There, there is, there is certainly racism, but I will also say that a lot of the the connections that exist uh, uh, between people exist because of personal relationships. And I I happen to be a big proponent of um, doing outreach and networking with people that don't look like you. And that is not to say that as a white guy I should be networking with women and people of color. That is to say that everybody should be networking with people that don't look like them. So look in the mirror, and the next time you're at a networking event, make sure you're not clustering together with people who look very similar to you, because that's what we do because it's comfortable. It's comfortable, yeah. And then, yeah. Comfort zone. And, and, and then the problem also, and I, I can't speak specifically about robotics, but I will tell you in my industry, this is something that happens. So I'm a... I'm a CEO of a company. Um, I need other CEOs or other people who, you know, are, you know, powerful white men and in positions of influence. And then some time might go by. And then one of those guys might give me a call and say, you know, hey, Joaquin, my son's really interested in learning more about web programming. Can he, you know, come by your, your office and, you know, walk through and you can kind of show him what it's like, you know, get him inspired, um, you know, maybe give him some pointers or tell him some places that he should connect and things that he should go and do. What am I going to say? I'm going to say, of course, of course, John, Peter, Paul, uh, of course I'm going to do that. And the tragedy in that is the, you know, African-American woman who, you know, wants their kid to, to be succeeding um, and their kid is brilliant and knows a ton about, you know, in my case, the web or robotics, they don't have the direct line to the dean of the, the school or to the, the CEO of some company, even just for little things. And I'm not talking about, you know, you know getting your, your application through. It's just the little things. And, and that is so much more insidious and difficult to combat. Because it's that's the way people work. If a friend called you and asked you for a favor for their kid, are you going to say no? No, no, no. You, and you, then you, it, you. in your community, I mean, because it's not just a friend; it's our, our kids in our community that are like need the help. And I'm not just talking about their Latino. I'm talking about her whole community needs help. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And uh, but like uh, we have just a little bit uh, going in, and I I want to focus more a little bit in in like your vision and, and your mission of like your um, the transformation that you're doing with your with your company uh, mm -hmm. um, Metal Toad Metal Toad Toad Sorry Sapo de Matal So yeah, wh wh where's Metal Toad heading? Oh. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, so. 
Well, we, we are in a, in a dynamic industry. And, you know, the, the, the way we describe ourselves today, um, we have been a web shop in the past. We've done apps in the past. And we, we, still, we still do those things. But we are a digital transformation agency. That is, we are working for large companies, um, helping them figure out what it means, what the implications of being in a digital world actually are. And so building new products for them, helping them to ideate, creating software for, you know, products that they're building. And that that can be, I mean, right now we're focused on two major industries. One is um, the entertainment industry and the other one is heavy industry. And those are totally different, right? You know, very, very different needs. You know, one is is very much about cloud infrastructure and streaming and the other one is you know big data but then you have all of this crossover where you know big data is being used by by both sides and everybody needs to be putting their applications in the cloud and um things change so rapidly and there aren't a lot of people there aren't a lot of companies out there that have actually built digital products from the ground up and done it in a way where they have been successfully rolled out. And so that's that's what we do. Um, and it's super exciting. My, my, my team, I always say, what are you guys excited about? Because that's what we're going to be doing in a couple of years. And so they're doing hackathons on, you know, Internet of Things. And, you know, we now have, you know, smart uh, beer kegs. And we had a, a, some sort of a... a Internet of Things uh, uh, device to like measure plants to make sure you're not overwatering or underwatering, and mm. I mean just just things that they're doing. They even made a little fleet management uh, I think tool I need that. using out of the box. Yeah, I need that too. My mine's always fine. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's just it's just hacking things together and, and figuring out what the intersection is of like all of this stuff that's now possible as these devices getting smarter and smarter and then, mm. then figuring out, well, what do you do with it? And, and I remember just, yes. you know, by the way, the Metal Toads of us are super cool. You come in, are, are you, do, you, do you guys still have the, the VR uh, yeah, we, in the we lobby? Yeah, we have a uh -huh, VR station in the lobby. We have a, Which was a fantastic. stand up arcade. Here in Portland? That's yeah. a, a, awesome. Uh -huh. Oh, we yeah, should, you should come We by. should go, yeah. yeah, yeah well, and I'll, if you want to know what's on tap, you can look at beer.metaltoe.com. I oh think my that's gosh. still up. You know, we I have kombucha and uh, unbelievable. nitro cold brew in, in those taps. I remember. So even if you don't like beer, it's good. When, when, when we first started working with Metal Toad three and a half years ago, they had hacked um, one of those, the, the Wii skateboard oh, yes. to do the measurement on the kegs. Remember that, Joaquin? Yeah, yeah. It was. We've uh, improved it, was, it for now. I think they're using flow meters or something, something <laughs> yeah. else new. I just, yeah, they're they're always improving that. Yeah, yeah so, so it's a pretty cool company, and, and you know, I'm excited to see you know what's um, what's in, in in the future. Uh, you know, ho hopefully we you know, uh, you know, we can also uh, have you here in the studio, Joaquin, the next time you're in Portland visiting us. Yeah, that will be uh, amazing. We'll talk a little bit more about you know what you know what do you see as, as product development. And you know what's what's your next step? You know what what do you want to do in an ideal world? You know, Metal Toads running. You know, you got professional people. What do you, what do you want to accomplish? Hmm. Well, so next step in terms of our growth, 
um, really is uh, geographic diversity. So mm-hmm. I, I mentioned I'm down here in Los Angeles. We have um, Siemens is actually asking us to open an office in Europe. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're an agency, you know, not, not dissimilar from an advertising agency or a creative agency. You know, we are hired guns. We, we bring our talents to uh, companies that need us. And so, um, you know, as, as a lot of other agencies expand geographically, that, that's what we're doing too. Um, and as far as like what's next in terms of technology, oh man, uh, I mean, there are so many things and so many possibilities, you know, for me to even make predictions around that is, is difficult. Uh, I'm, I'm super excited about um, the future around the autonomous vehicle. I think that is right around the corner. I'm hoping that my daughter is 16. I was like, oh man, if it could just come a little earlier. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure she'll be a great driver if she's listening to this. Talia, I believe in you. Um, <laughs> but but maybe my son. I think I think that that's that would be good timing for the, for the so, autonomous vehicle. Joaquin, uh, if we ask you uh, to be a mentor for like our. Uh, young adults here in Portland, like they can come uh-huh. and and see your 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 place, your uh, work station. Uh, can can we pass your information? Absolutely. So okay. I will I will um, take copies. I will take calls, and I can do one mm. better because okay. as a CEO, I can open the doors uh, and and connect people with an entire company. So let's say somebody's interested in QA or mobile development or, um, you know, HR processes or project management or product ownership. I mean, there are a, a plethora of, uh, of different fields that exist. And so walking in, you know, we can do we can do tours. We love to bring young people in. And, and you know, frankly, I can provide the permission for people at the company to sit, to to do the mentorship and open those doors, mm-hmm. and so my job, I, I tell my team, you know, is to get the right people in the room and then get out, and that is, I think, the job of most CEOs and most leaders. Um, but yes, yes, I would love to connect with people, and um, I would love to connect with people in Los Angeles. I mean, I'm I'm happy to take a coffee with anybody. Thank you. Um, Yeah. Thank you. Well, uh, we our time it, it went flat. Just my it time just, it flew. Just flew. Oh my gosh! Flew it's just twelve o'clock Joaquin, almost already. Thank you. Thank you thank so you. much for uh, you know for having us. And you know, I really hope to see you in LA next time I'm around. I'm, I've been traveling. You know, you, you know, I've been you know more often. And if oh, you yeah. have a job opening in Europe, I'm uh, going to have to put my application in there. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah we, I, I will let you know. We'll, we'll, it'll definitely be on, on the website and, and the job section if, it, if it's open. Well, thank you so much, Joaquin. I, I appreciate the time. You know, hope to hope to see you next time you're in Portland visiting us. Uh, happy Friday, everybody. Happy Friday. Thank, thank you, you, Joaquin. So much. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, happy Friday, the 25th. Yes, yes. 27. 27. 27. Oh, my God. <laughs> I gracias, don't know where I live all the time. <laughs> Saludos a Maximina. Saludos a todos. Uh, gracias. Gracias. Okay, bye. Okay, bye-bye. Adios. Adios. 
CPA dudes, where accounting is never boring, their price is not based on time, instead customers decide what to pay them. They don't charge you for sending invoices, phone calls, email, texts, or meetings. They just get the damn job done. Find them at cpa.dudes.com slash startup radio. Today's episode of the Latino Founder Hour is brought to you by Publicize, a deconstructed PR subscription service which generates effective visibility for your business. Miriam Relations. Publicize handles all communication with the media and any content required to do this. And they offer a wide range of PR products and abilities out of which you can construct the PR package right for the future of your business. Check them out at publicize.co and tell them Claudia and Edgar send you. Coming up next here on Startup Radio Network is the out entrepreneur with our friend, host Rhodes Perry. Rhodes talks to LGBTQ entrepreneurs and founders from around the world. Thank you and happy Friday. Happy Friday. You've been listening to the Latino Founder Hour podcast with your hosts, Edgar Navas, founder of Clica, and Claudia Cardenas. El programa Latino Founder Hour es grabado en las instalaciones de NetSpace en el estudio Bigfoot Podcast en la hermosa ciudad de Portland. Our audio engineer, mixer, and podcast editor is Alain Beausoleil. Diseñador de logo, Carolyn Main. Our network logo was designed by Jessica Chan. Diseñador de sitio web, Cameron Grimes. Our production assistant is Chelsea Lancaster. Tema de música, Funning and Sunning, de Kevin MacLeod. Cree en ti mismo, sueña en grande y confía en el universo, de Marta Leticia y Silvia Romero.